Hey everyone, welcome back to A World of His Zone, a Twilight Zone podcast. I'm your host, Justin. Today we'll be reviewing the second episode of the series. It's called One for the Angels. It was written by Rod Serling, and it originally aired October 9th, 1959. It stars Ed Wynn as Lou Bookman and Murray Hamilton as Mr. Death. It's a really good episode. Great way to continue the first series right after Where Is Everybody? And let's get into it. First, let's talk about Lou Bookman. As I mentioned, he's played by Ed Wynn, who is a very storied actor in his own right. He was in quite a few productions going all the way back to radio. Ed Wynn actually got his career started in vaudeville in 1903. He did radio and television a lot of you might know him as the voice of the Caterpillar in the original Disney Alice in Wonderland. He was reluctant to be a dramatic actor and to even get into television and films. And when you watch the show, you can tell that he's goofing on some of his lines and it's like bad acting, but it works well for the episode nonetheless. And then we have Murray Hamilton, who plays Mr. Death. Most people recognize him as the mayor of Amity Island in the movie Jaws. He also had a very long and storied career himself, starring in such films as The Graduate and The Hustler and many more. So the show starts and we're introduced to Lou Bookman. He's a pitchman. So he's literally pitched up on the city sidewalk with this little mobile briefcase that turns into a stand. And he has all these toys. They look like uh, sci-fi robots things which is a nice touch for the twilight zone they could have done stuffed animals or something so that was a cool thing to see too just to give a nod to the sci-fi element and he's an older gentleman he's out there trying to sell these toys and things and you can see all these businessmen just walking by not giving him the time of day but then there's this group of kids and there's this one little girl in particular who appears to be Lou's friend, and you can tell that Lou is a friend of these kids, and he's happy to entertain them, and you get the impression that he's not the best salesperson. He's still leading this happy life, and he loves to be around kids, so you get the impression that he's a, a nice man, and he's a likable character uh, at first, but standing behind Lou is this man dressed in this black suit and he appears to be watching over Lou. He's writing something down in this book and it gives you this ominous feeling right away. And so right when Rod Serling says he'll be stalked by Mr. Death and the music reaches that crescendo, Mr. Death looks right at the camera and breaks the fourth wall and it's a cool effect. So when Lou's done talking with the kids, he tells them he'll be back later for ice cream at social hour. So I don't know if that's a real thing or if he was just being silly, but how nice of him if he really is out there providing ice cream and social time for all these kids. But then he goes into his apartment and he's just got stacks of newspapers everywhere. He appears to be living all by himself. And then he turns around and we see Mr. Death sitting in a chair in the corner of the room. It's funny because Lou's reaction isn't to freak out, get mad, run out screaming, try to fight him, nothing. He's just, oh, you're the guy on the street. So, you know, 
I don't think most people would react as as calmly as Lou did if some stranger was just in their apartment, but he's more than willing to just give him all the information for some reason. And Mr. Death just has a few questions for him, and Lou's obliging. He's answering. And so it's made clear to Lou that today is his last day on Earth. He'll be departing at midnight, and I guess this is like a preemptive warning for him, which... You know, he says is better than people that meet their fate in an accident or some sort of uh, traumatic manner where they're not allowed to forewarn anyone. He says you'll go in your sleep and that's a much better way to go than a lot of people get. But of course, Lou doesn't want to hear it. He doesn't believe him. And then the little girl from earlier comes into the apartment. And then the little girl comes in and her name is Maggie. and she has one of those robot toys and she wants Lou to help him. She's asking Lou to help her get it fixed. It's not working. And, and Lou does that. So we can see that he really is a nice man to these children. And, and he's more than happy to stop what he's doing to help them out. And of course, death is witnessing this whole thing. So he's seeing how much this little girl Maggie means to Lou. And then Lou tries to get Maggie to say hello to Mr. Death, but she can't see him. And Mr. Death explains that only those who are to accompany him are able to see him. So Maggie thinks it's some sort of game that Lou is playing, and she just laughs it off, and, and then she leaves. And Lou and Mr. Death, they get back into the conversation, and Lou, he just doesn't want to believe him. And then finally, Mr. Death has to prove it to him by reaching out and touching a flower, and the flower just instantly curls over and dies. Lou immediately begins pleading for a bargain. He wants to get out of this any way possible, and Mr. Death says there are essentially three ways that you can circumvent going on your scheduled time. Lou tries to come up with these unfinished business plans to convince Mr. Death to give him an extension, and he says he's never flown in a helicopter, and he's never witnessed a Zulu warrior dance. And of course, these are terrible examples of why one might need an extension, and Mr. Death is just not having it, right? But then the tone of Lou's voice changes, and he becomes more sincere as he pleads for one final thing, and that would be to have the biggest pitch of his life, the biggest sales pitch he could ever accomplish, one for the angels. So that's where we get the title of our episode, of course. He says he wants to really show how great of a salesperson he could be because he was never able to really perform that well as a salesperson in his life. And at first, Mr. Death is reluctant to accept this. He, he doesn't think that's good enough. And Lou puts on a sad stonewall face and pouts, but Mr. Death thinks it over and reluctantly agrees to take the deal. Lou, of course, is ecstatic and gladly accepts the deal, and, and he's thinking he's off the hook. And so as Mr. Death is leaving now, Mr. Death is asking okay, so when can we expect this sales pitch of yours? And Lou says, oh, pretty soon, maybe next year, a couple of years. And Mr. Death is, no, Mr. Bookman, we need a definitive answer from you. We're not going to let you just keep going for forever. And this is where we see a side of Lou that isn't quite as nice and friendly and 
maybe isn't as likable as what we saw before. And he shuts the door on death and says, screw you. Basically, I'm never going to, I'm never going to do this. I just cheated you. Of course, Mr. Death is going to be much more powerful and in control than lowly little Mr. Bookman. And he doesn't like what Lou's doing. Lou tries to run away. He literally tries to run away from physical death, which that's a little bit absurd, but of course, in a TV show, what can you do? And then Mr. Death says, there's going to be consequences for your action. And he says, I'm going to have to make other arrangements. And as soon as he does that, we hear this car slamming its brakes and Lou runs out into the street. And of course, Maggie has been hit by a car. She's not dead, but she's laying in the, in the middle of the road and she's hurt and Lou comes up to comfort her and the driver of the car is saying she just jumped out of nowhere. So, you know, it, it's very apparent that Mr. Death has arranged for her to be taken instead. Luckily, Lou's character redeems himself because immediately he has remorse for his actions. And he asks Mr. Death if he can exchange with Maggie. He'd rather him die than her. So we do see at least a turnaround in his character there. But unfortunately, Mr. Death says that's not possible now. And Mr. Death informs Lou that at midnight, he's going to be taking Maggie away with him. It's made pretty clear that if Mr. Death isn't in that room at 12 midnight, then the little girl won't die. And you can see the look on Lou's face when he realizes what he has to do. And the scene cuts away. And we can see that it's nighttime now, and Lou's sitting on the steps outside of where uh, Maggie is in bed. And Mr. Death walks up saying, oh, hey, Lou, I've got 15 minutes to my appointment. And Lou just busts open his suitcase and starts making his pitch. And it's a pitch for the angels. He's selling him these silk ties. And he has uh, this thread that takes 832 flights across the ocean that he's going to sell for 25 cents a, a spool and all this stuff. And it's pretty comical because death is just getting more and more distraught as it goes on. And they cut away and, into this sort of a montage. He's starting to sweat and he's holding all these ties and he eventually says, I'll take it all. And right at that point, that's when the clock strikes midnight and Mr. Death is not with Maggie. So Lou did cheat Death and Maggie was saved. Death says, it's 12.01, Mr. Bookman, and I miss my appointment. And then he said, that was a pretty good sales pitch, though. And Lou said, yeah, that was the best I've ever done. And the thing that actually throws off Death the most at the end of the sales pitch is Lou offers himself as a servant of some sort to death himself. So he says that he, he will be his right-hand man for anything he needs. And so it's made clear that Lou is ready to sacrifice himself to do what needs to be done to save Maggie. And so Lou knows that it's time for him to go and he's accepted his fate. And then this is the last part, which is, a nice little touch at the end of the episode. Lou asks if he's going up there, and Mr. Death confirms, up there, Mr. Bookman, you made it. It's confirmed that Lou did a good job in his life, and he'll be on his way to heaven. That's a nice little touch at the end of the episode.
So Serling actually wrote a teleplay with a very similar story with the same title, One for the Angels, but he wanted to write an episode specifically for Ed Wynn because he felt that the character of that teleplay would be a perfect fit for Ed, and so he changed it around a little bit and wrote it for Ed. And in real life, Ed Wynn wasn't a smooth talker, and he, he was even afraid that he wasn't going to be able to say all of his lines, but Rod Serling had to convince him that this is television, we're going to film everything, we can start and stop, and it's okay. In a way, that is why he makes the perfect actor for this character, because he's not a confident and smooth-talking salesman. But everyone said that N gave it his all, and he was a pleasure to work with on the set. So through Lou's compassion and courage, he's able to make use of his talent as a salesman for a final noble cause and doing so he gains respect and admiration from mr death who recognizes his achievements and honors his request in the end so some questions that might be brought up from this episode would be was mr death really behind it all along did he know that this would happen sort of a chicken and the egg scenario or a fate versus free will case where Mr. Death knew that this would be the ultimate way that uh, Lou Bookman would spend his last day, and maybe it was all planned to begin with. Of course, the episode doesn't answer that question for us. It's something we just have to contemplate for ourselves, and nonetheless is a very interesting concept and overall theme of this episode, and something that The Twilight Zone did a lot was to illustrate the humanistic values, which are often portraying death as a natural and inevitable part of life, but also as a potential source of transcendence and enlightenment. And the episode suggests that death is not something to be feared or avoided, but rather something to be faced with dignity and grace. And it implies that death is not the end of existence, but rather a transition to a different realm where one may find peace and fulfillment. The episode doesn't really explicitly mention any religious or spiritual beliefs, and it leaves a lot of room for interpretation and imagination. And it does bring up a lot of questions and challenges the viewer to reflect on your own mortality and morality and to ask yourselves what you would do in, in Mr. Bookman's situation. Would you try to cheat death? Would you just accept it? Would you sacrifice yourself for someone else? Or would you try to save yourself at all costs? Do you think you have what it takes to make a sales pitch that's good enough for the angels? That's it for this one. Join me next time as we move on to episode three, Mr. Denton on Doomsday. And if you're enjoying the show, I would appreciate it if you left a review. Please share with your friends. You can look for me on YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, all the usual places. Stop by and say hello. Love to hear from you. All right. So once again, this has been a world of his own, and I will see you next time.